medicine. Amen. In uh, Proverbs 13, 10 tonight, the Bible says, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth it by labor shall increase. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law is of the wise the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you again for tonight. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that there is a promise, Lord, that we as believers have, and that is a place called heaven. Lord, we'll leave this world behind. Lord, there will be no more dying. There will be no more sickness, no pain, no departing. Lord, what a wonderful place it's going to be. Lord, it's a place that we cannot completely and totally fathom. Lord, it's a place that we're looking forward to. Lord, so many times we've heard that we're homesick for a place, God, that we've never been. And Lord, that's a true statement. Lord, what a day that's going to be. And I pray, Lord, tonight that our desire for heaven, God, would prompt us and motivate us now to serve you and live for you. And we ask you this evening that you just work in our hearts. Lord, would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary? Lord, would you even out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God? And I pray, Lord, I'd just be a, uh, an instrument in the master's hands tonight. Lord, help me just to be a voice, Lord, for the glory of God tonight, Lord. And I pray, Lord, tonight you take the word of God, make it personal to us, make it applicable to us, God, make it real to us tonight. Lord, it would not just be some verses that Solomon wrote down many years ago, but Lord, it'd be a prescription for a need that we have right now in our life. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We see here verses 10 through 14 and you really you go through the rest of the chapter, you'll see a constant conjunction that is said over and over and over and over again tonight, and it's the word but. We know that it is a conjunction, but it's not the only conjunction that we know of. Maybe you watched Schoolhouse Rock when you were growing up and you learned conjunction, junction, what's your function, right? And, and that's what they need to start, they need to bring that back into schools, amen? Uh, and Schoolhouse Rock, I'm just a bill sitting on Capitol Hill, uh, but we see it's a conjunction tonight, but it's not the only one. There's but, there's and, and or, and there's probably some more, but for tonight's sake, we're going to look at those three, work our way down to the conjunction but, but and is a conjunction, but it is a, it's a joining conjunction. It's an addition conjunction. It describes a series of things that are added one to the other, right? It's the conjunction that you want when you go to the Froyo shop. Right, you go in there, you get your fro. Oh, you don't want or or but, you want and. Right, I want uh, I want gummy bears and caramel and sprinkles and cherries and you want all those things. Right, and so it's an additional thing. And the reality is that's that's what we want in our Christian life. Right, we want we want all you know all of God's mercy and all of God's truth and all of God's grace. Right, we want the and in our life. And so we know and is an additional conjunction. Then we know that or is a decisional conjunction. It brings you to a selection. It brings you to a decision. You can have this or you can have that. Or you can have one or you can have the other. It, it changes the course of thought or the course of the sentence. And we see that tonight. You can have this or you can have that. 
But we know tonight that the word but is a directional conjunction. In essence, it takes you from one place and brings you to another, right? It starts, it changes the course of the thought or the course of the sentence. It works both in the negative and the positive tonight or from the negative to the positive and the positive to the negative. So you can take it from a negative or a positive. Man, I'm tired from work on a Wednesday night, but I'm so glad that I came to the house of God. The Lord knew exactly what I needed. It went from a negative to a positive. We see it in the Bible tonight, right? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's a negative, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the positive tonight. It changes that direction. It brings it from a negative to a positive, but the, true, the, the opposite has to be true as well, that it goes from a positive to a negative. Right, we, we see that, right? It'll take something that is wonderful and good and transition into something that is negative. You go to the restaurant, you'll say, man, that food was good, but the service was terrible. And so it goes from the, the, the positive to the negative. We even see that in our Bible, Jeremiah chapter number 13, verse number 11. God is talking to the nation of Israel. He said, listen, I will make you a people and I will, I, I will be close to you and I will cleave to you and I, I'll use you and I'll, I'll show myself faithful to you. And then the last part of that verse says, but Israel would not hear the word of the Lord. And so it goes from a positive to a negative tonight. And as we go through Proverbs 13, verses 10 through 14 tonight, we're going to look how the word but, we're going to, we're going to look at some, some of these conjunctions tonight and see how they go from, some go from the negative to the positive and some go from the positive to the negative. But tonight and probably next week as well, we're going to preach on the law of but. The law of of but we'll see a series uh, we'll see the the law of but in action we'll see it take a matter from the negative to the positive and from the positive to the negative notice number one tonight we see the but of contention we see the but of contention look at verse number 10 the bible says only by pride cometh contention but with well advised with the well advised is wisdom have you ever met somebody that it seems like no matter what you say they are going to disagree with you they are going to debate you on everything you say. Here's that you could be 100% right on whatever the matter was. Know you're right. Got reasons to know why you're right. Got proof behind why you're right. You'll say that then they'll say, well, that's not necessarily true. And they're, they're looking for the debate. Matter of fact, I know somebody whose most famous words to me are not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'm thinking, yes, necessarily. I, I, I know what I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind about what I'm talking about. And they'll say, not necessarily. I'm, I'm so convinced about their desire to debate and their desire to question and their desire to, to disagree that I, I very well think that when they die on their headstones, it's going to say, here lies so-and-so. And then up underneath, it's going to say, not necessarily. <laughs> but you ever met somebody that's like that and, and it's like, it just drives you up a wall, right? And, and notice the Bible, what the Bible says about contention, right? What does that word mean? It means a quarrel. It means debate. It only comes from what? Pride, right? The Bible says in verse number 10, only by pride cometh contention. In essence, if you remove pride, there would be no contention. And boy, isn't that a true statement, because especially among young men, right, uh, growing up, when I, was, when I was younger, we'd play a game called slap boxing. 
And I would advise any of you young people to play it because somebody always takes it too far. Right, we would be, we'd be, you know, pretending like we was boxing, not hitting each other, and then somebody rears back and slaps the taste out of the other person's mouth. And all of a sudden, now, you are not going to hit me like that, and slap boxing has turned into fighting, into brawling. Right, we realize that when you, when you, if you were to move, remove pride, then contention would follow. But anywhere there's contention, there's an element of pride. Because the Bible says only by pride, or only uh, tonight, only, only by pride cometh contention. That's where contention comes from. In essence, tonight, you got to realize in your Christian life, and, and as you grow older, brother, we, we sang that song, we're never, it is interesting, we live half our life wanting to be older, and then we live the other half of our life wishing we, wishing we wasn't as old as we are. Right, it's an interesting thing, but as you grow older and as you gain knowledge, you're gonna have the desire to impart that knowledge onto somebody and give them advice with the right spirit, the right heart, the right mind, the right desires, and there it's gonna go in one ear and out the other. You're gonna say, well, it's gonna be one of those, and what I've had to realize is that I may freely offer advice, but it may not be freely accepted. Right, and when it comes down to that, I've, I've got to stop myself and say, I've done my part. I've given the advice to them that God has put in my heart to give them, the rest is up to them. Because the moment I step into, I'm not only gonna tell you my advice, and I'm gonna make sure you believe my advice, and I'm gonna make sure you don't question my advice, I'm gonna make sure that you got it, got it good, and you know that, and you know that my advice is right. I've stepped into contention. Right, I've stepped, I've taken a step too far. Now, pride has welled up in my life. And, and we have to look back at my life and say that there were some times where I did not heed the advice that was given to me. Right, I got to realize everybody's growing up and everybody grows up at different rates. So we see tonight that word contention, it comes from pride. But, but then the Bible says, but what the well advised is wisdom. The well advised is wisdom, that phrase, that wording, well advised, means willing to be advised. Isn't that interesting? Right, it's willing to be taught. In essence, it's willing to be humbled and listen. Right, and that's, that's where discernment comes in. When you gather advice and you give advice and you can tell it's going in, out, in one ear and out the other, right, you've got to step back and say, listen, I, I, I've delivered the mail, so to speak. It's up to them to open it. And if they're not willing to do that, then, then that's on them. Right? I've done what the Lord has told me to do. But the Bible says, well advised, they, they, are, they are willing to be humbled and be taught. I remember hearing a statement made years ago, and it stuck with me in my Christian life. It is that everybody that comes into your life is an example for you to learn from. Every person that comes into your life is an example for you to learn from. Some will teach you what to do, and some will teach you what not to do. Some will teach you the right way, some will teach you the wrong way. But it would be arrogant of me to step back and say, there is absolutely nothing I can learn from you. There's nothing, in essence, God brought you into my life for no reason. Right, but then we realize tonight, when we realize that everything comes our life comes in the hand of God. And can I say, there's some people that God will bring into your life and the lesson you're gonna learn from them, it's gonna be a hard lesson, but it'll be a lesson that you never forget. And if we're not willing to be taught, we're not willing to learn tonight, 
It's going to be a source of contention, right? Where our pride's going to say, oh, there's nothing you can teach me. And all of a sudden, it's going to be an issue of contention, right? I'm above you. I'm better than you. I know more than you, right? But to say there's nothing that we can learn is a prideful and an arrogant statement tonight. We, teach our, we purpose in our heart to teach our kids not just to love learning, but to realize you'll never stop doing it, or you should never stop doing it. You should constantly and consistently be learning. Well, preacher, I, 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 I don't know, preacher. How in the world can I learn it? Do something that you've never done before. <laughs> I was watching disc golf, and I was playing it out in the front yard, and I thought, you know what? This ain't too bad. I, I'm, I'm fairly decent at this. I said, you know what? I'm going to take my skills to the course. And I'm, I'm going to see how I really match up. So I went to Riverview Park in North Augusta. First hole that is out there, it's a short par three. I grabbed my, my driver. I said, you know what? I mean, they're fixing to put me on a tour. Right? I mean, I'm knocking down putts in the front yard. I, I got this thing figured out. And I, I grabbed my, my, and I'm thinking, oh, here comes my first shot. It's going to be a hole in one. If not, it's going to be right next to the basket. Man, I, I reared back and launched that thing. I didn't even make a half wheel fairway. I said, there's some learning that's got to go on here. <laughs> I'm not doing something right here. Right, we see tonight that when, when we lose our desire to learn and, our, and we think we have it all figured out, that's not the statement of a humble person. A humble person steps back and says, listen, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to be taught. I'm willing to be instructed. I'm willing to be advised by the Lord and the people that the Lord puts into my life. I'm willing to learn from them. The well-advised have wisdom and is wisdom tonight, according to verse number 10. We see that's what it produces tonight. So you ask yourself, has the, the butt of contention kept you from gaining valuable wisdom? Oh, there's nothing I can learn from them. That's an arrogant statement. And that contentious attitude is sourced out of pride and that needs to be dealt with because there's certain people that God's gonna bring into your life that you need to learn from. And if, you, if you're not willing to be taught, you're gonna miss out on some valuable, valuable lessons. I firmly believe tonight that sometimes that God allows us to learn some lessons without us having to go through them. I heard a statement this week and it was from another pastor. He said, some people, uh, he, he said, why learn from your mistakes when you can learn from mine? Right, and that's, we, don't have to, we don't have to live everything by experience in that sense. We can say, hey, how did this happen? And why did you do this? And, and learn from those things. But if you're a, a prideful, arrogant, and think you had it all figured out, it's just going to be a source of contention. Has the bud of contention kept you from gaining valuable wisdom? So we see the bud of contention. The notice number two tonight, we see the bud of construction. The bud of construction. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Now, we are living in the influencer generation. Social media has brought this whole new job and whole new position into our society called an influencer, right? And, and you said, preacher, what is that? That's somebody who, who models their lifestyle, models their actions, puts them on display through social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it tonight, goes to those channels and they make a post and they get paid to make that post. I found out that one of the highest grossing influencers in our, in our generation is a man by the name of Cristiano Ronaldo. He's probably one of the best soccer players to ever live. 
but he's also an influencer. He gets paid over $4 million per post that he puts on social media. Think about something, man, I got in the wrong business. <laughs> I'd be posting 100 times a day. If all, that's all I had to do, but we, we, we look at it, right, and we take it, we're the consumer in that sense, and, and we say, man, look at their life, look what they get to do, and look what they, they get to do, all these kind of things, they, they've got this wonderful life. But we're starting to find out that which those who we follow a lot on social media and those who we'd call influencers are a lot like the reality TV that came out in the 90s and the early 2000s. It's real TV that's scripted. We find out all that they're putting out to us is really, it's just staged and really it's a production. And right, and we consume it and now we're, in essence, we are, we are feeding them and they're making their money off that. But we look back at it and we realize everything, a lot of times what they're telling us is vain. It's, it's not really who they are. It's not really how they live. They're just doing it so they can get the social media following. They forget, and we forget to see how much production goes into these influencers' lives. And this same mindset has crept into the church as well. What do you mean by that, preacher? We just follow, right? We just follow somebody else. And we, instead of developing our own personal walk with Christ, we just follow somebody else. Right, but instead of having my own personal relationship with the Word of God and studying God's Word and reading God's Word for myself, well, I just put that on the pastor and I just put it on the Sunday school teacher and I put that on on the godly person in the church. Right, we 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 just allow them to influence us tonight and, and just follow after them. We don't develop that personal relationship and personal walk with Christ. And then sometimes we just try to imitate what everybody else is doing. And what everybody else says and how everybody else does it without asking the Lord ourselves. We, we see it in, in church building seminars and in books tonight. How, you know, there's a church will do something and, and it's so successful in that church and with that pastor, with those people, that everybody else says if it's successful there, then we have to do it. Can I say tonight there's churches that are five times our size that do things that are wonderful and that are great and that are awesome tonight and there's nothing wrong with them. The only issue is we don't have the manpower to do that. Right? And we'd be, and if, so, well, if it worked for them, then we have to do it too. Can I say tonight, I, I thank God uh, tonight that we're, in, we're independent in that sense, right? In essence, the, the heartbeat of, for, for, of God for our church may not necessarily look just like the other church across town tonight. And we gotta be careful tonight, not just in that sense, in, in the church, but in our personal lives tonight, of not just becoming uh, through vain means, right? I'm just gonna imitate, and I'm just gonna pretend, and I'm gonna put on, and I'm gonna act like, because it works for them. And so if I do it just like them, and be just like them, then it has to work. I remember being in Bible college, and, uh, and, and in my freshman year at Victory, and uh, Brother Brown was telling us a story about how there was a young man who had come through their college, and uh, had graduated and, went and was on the road preaching. And Brother Brown said, I kid you not, he preaches my sermons in the sense they're the same identical outlines. And Brother Brown said, I don't have an issue with that. God gave it to me. He said, what I have the issue with is he shares the same illustrations. In essence, he tells stories that are personal to me like they are personal to him. Brother Brown was born on Tootin Hollow Road. And said so that young man got up and preached and said, I was born on Tootin Hollow Road. Brother Brown said, no, you weren't. <laughs> I was, right? And there's that imitation because everybody's seen what Brother Brown had and they said, well, we gotta be just like Brother Brown 
to get that, that kind of ministry tonight. And we see it tonight that real Christian living isn't imitation, right? It is a personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Real Christian living requires effort. It requires, what's the Bible say right there in verse number 11? Wealth gotten by vanity, it'll be diminished. In essence, if you pretend to be everything and imitate, 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 sooner or later it's gonna be gone and you're gonna be left with nothing. But tonight, if we, the Bible says that he that gathers by labor shall increase. And we, it's one of the things you gotta teach our young people and, and, some, and reteach our older generation as well and reteach my generation as well is that, listen, my, my dad had a saying when I was growing up and, and I grew up in a, you know, we weren't we were religious, but we were very conservative and my parents were in their politics, especially my father. And he, would, he, would, he had a statement uh, because I remember we moved down here and I said, Dad, they give out free lunch down here. You, you can go to school, they'll give you free lunch if you qualify for it. And my dad had a statement, he said this, there's no such thing as free lunch. And I said, no, dad, look, on the paper, it says free lunch right here. He said, son, there ain't nothing, there's no such thing as free lunch. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't grasping it, I wasn't getting it. I said, but dad, it says right here on the paper that, that we might qualify for free lunch. My dad said, there's no such thing. He said, somebody's paying for that. And, and there's no such thing. And my dad raised us and taught us that, hey, listen, don't go looking out for handouts. Don't go looking out and expecting everybody else to take care of you. You need to learn to work. I, he had a statement. He said, listen, you're a Wagner. We work hard. That's what we do. And the reality is tonight when it comes to the Christian life, we like to think tonight that it's just some easy thing that we can have what somebody else has, but we don't realize the effort and the labor that's going behind the scenes for them to have that tonight. Right, deep knowledge of the scripture doesn't just happen. Right, uh, the, the power and the presence of God and the anointing of God, right, uh, we understand tonight that, that it takes serious action upon those who are pursuing that and desiring that. It takes holy living. It takes living right and being obedient to the word of God tonight. It takes labor. Right, and the Bible says right here in verse number 11 that he that gathers by labor shall increase. When you study for yourself, when you pray for yourself, when you read for yourself, you'll see the results, and it just means more. It just means more. Brother Jacob was telling me last night, he called me after the service down there at the rescue mission. He said, preacher, he said, I, uh, he said, the Lord, the devil's fought me all day. He said, I was trying to get out of it, and the Lord kept telling me to go down there and preach, and the Lord put a verse in my heart, and he said, really, the verse came from something you said while you were preaching. You said to get you a verse and hold on to it and let it become the promise that, you know, in the moment that you're going through, the storms you're going through. He said, me and Miss Caitlin have done that. We've got us a verse. We're holding on to it. He said, I was at work and thinking about that you know together he said he said I just jotted down a few things about that verse he said and I got up the rescue mission and it just he said his exact words it just oozed out of me <laughs> you say preacher I have no idea what that means listen if it ever happens to you you know you know how it is it just he said it just he said it just came and he said I, I just felt the Lord and and I just preached with everything everything I had in me he said he said I, I don't know how many times I've preached down there he said I put men to sleep down there I've seen them drooling. I've seen them snoring. He said, but they clapped for me when I got done. He said, I've never had anybody clap for me when I got done preaching. He said, I got in the car. Miss Caitlin said, that's the best I ever heard you preach. Can I say tonight, when you do it for yourself and you see the results of it, boy, it just means more. It just means more. How much effort are you willing to put in to your labor? 
All that depends on how hard you're willing to work, how much effort you're willing to put in to your labor. Are you willing to get up early? Are you willing to stay up late? Are you willing to put things to the side? Are you, are you willing to, to allow things that are not important to be exactly what they are, not important, and find yourself studying and find yourself praying and find yourself reading for yourself tonight? One of the things that we, we try to teach our kids as they're growing up is the value of a dollar. In essence, that money doesn't grow on trees. You, you, and you can't just print more of it and everything work out. That's why we're paying twice as much as we are for groceries nowadays. Right? We, we know how inflation works, and we're trying to teach our kids, listen, things aren't free in life. And yes, me and your mother, we're going to provide your needs, and we're going to be faithful to do that. We're going to feed you dinner. We're going to put a roof over your head. We're going to give you the, the clothes that you need and the supplies that you need. But all that extra stuff, all of that extra stuff that you want in life, you want to pay for. Right, you're about to pay for it. And or, or, you know, work things out and figure out how to make the money to do that. Preacher, why would you do that? That's how life works. That's how life works. I can't just walk into the car dealership and say, you know what, I really like that car. I, I really like how it looks. And, boy, I, I really want that car. Can you just give it to me? And they're going to say no. Right? Not at all. And we learn, and as they're learning that, and, and you, you see the contemplation there, and you see the, man, I worked, way, I worked really hard for this. I don't know if I want to blow this $100 on candy. Oh, I want to get something meaningful with it. Are you a Christian who expects everybody else to labor on your behalf? Or are you willing to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling tonight? We see the butt of construction. We see the butt of contention. Then we see the butt of comfort. The butt of comfort, look at verse number 12. <laughs> Hope deferred, make the heart sick. But when desire cometh, is a tree of life. Something about distance makes the heart grow fonder. Ever heard that? Find that in the Bible for me. <laughs> the Bible said otherwise. Right? Hope deferred, make the heart sick. You, you ever, let me ask you, you ever experienced being let down? You, you, you know how discouraging it can be. And it's one thing when a circumstance lets you down, right? I'm really bad about building things up to myself. Go to a restaurant, go, go you know, this, go that, go here. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. This is going to be the best burger that I've ever ate in my life. This is going to be the greatest experience that I've ever had. And it just not to be that way. And you get let down. And you're like, man, this, this is not what I expected it to be. But it seems like, it, it, and that can be discouraging, no doubt, but you, a lot of times you look back and say, man, I, I was expecting too much out of myself. I built myself up for that. But sometimes in our life, it, 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 and not sometimes, but all the time, when you're let down by somebody else, well, doesn't that hurt? It just leaves you so discouraged. It leaves you hurting. And, here, and, we, we, and it's, it's something we've experienced at some point in our life, and here's why. We all have the capability of putting our hope in the wrong place. I have to remind myself, and that word hope tonight right there in verse number 12 means our expectations. Our expectations tonight. And when we put our expectations on anybody else than the Lord, letdowns are inevitable. They're going to take place. They're going to happen. Why? We're all human tonight. So, oh, no, not you, preacher. You preach, and, and, and look, what the, look what the Lord's doing here at the church. and Look at all this. Preach. You're, you're amazing. Can I say, give me five minutes, I'll let you down. I, I, I'll, I'll make a promise to you that I can't keep. 
right? And, and we're human beings. It's how it happens. And we put our expectation on anybody else. But Lord, letdowns are going to happen. And the Bible says that, look what it says, when hope deferred. In essence, that expectation isn't met. It's, it, it, it's, it's deferred. It's pushed off. It's, it's not arrived the way that we thought it was going to arrive. Look what happens to our heart. The Bible said, make it the heart what? Sick. It makes the heart sick. It leads to a hard heart. There's a lot of people who are upset with other people simply because of unmet expectations. I thought they was going to do that. And I thought they were going to do this. And I thought they was going to be that. And I thought that, and when they're not that, our heart becomes sick. And instead of getting that right and bringing it to the Lord and, and allowing the Lord to break up the fallow ground of our heart and melt our hard hearts, our hearts become sick. And, they, and we're not dealt with. But thankfully, verse number 12, there's a but right there, isn't there? Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. There's one who can meet our every desire tonight. There is one who can meet our every expectations, and he can't just meet them. He excels at it. He's greater than. He's better than, right? The best we could dream, he's more than that. Who is that preacher? That is the Lord. And when he meets your expectation, and when he shows himself faithful, and when he is right there with you, and he answers that prayer request, and he, he, he just moves right in. Look what the Bible said. It's a tree of life. It's a tree of life. When that desire is met tonight, there's a vast difference between a dead tree and a lively tree. I've got some dead trees out there on my property, right? And, and here's, all, here's the only thing I think about those dead trees. They need to come down. They need to come down. I was talking with Miss Becky about it the other night. I, we were looking out there. We we're talking about maybe building something right there. And, and I said, yeah, there's a few dead trees right there. I said, those things need to come down. She goes, yeah. I said, I'm going to hook my truck up to it. <laughs> and I'm going to tie it off and I'm going to put that thing into gear. And she says, it's going to come right through your windshield or right, right through your back window. It's going to crush your truck. I said, nah, not if you do it right. And the problem, I'm not sure if I know how to do it right. <laughs> I've watched enough YouTube videos of people not doing it right. <laughs> but I haven't watched any where they did it right, amen. But it sounds like fun. But a lively tree is a place of comfort. A place of comfort. Man, it's October and we're still almost pushing 90 degrees outside. But man, them mornings and them evenings have been real nice. But I tell you what, how many of you know there's a big difference when you sit in the shade as opposed to sitting in the sun? A, light, a dead tree don't provide shade. <laughs> but you're going to hide behind the stump? Sit the, but that thing's got branches and leaves. You'll get up underneath that and it's 10 degrees cooler in the shade. A lively tree's a place of comfort. It's a place of substance. A lively tree produces fruit. It's a place of outlook. You can climb up it and see out further. And it's a place of inspiration. It's a place of dreaming in that sense. We were, before we moved to where we are, we were living off there off of Highway 88. And I would walk back to the, uh, back behind the woods where we were living at, and I'd ask my landlord if I, if I could deer hunt right there. Never done it before and haven't done it since. And I thought, my, I'll just put some corn out, and boy, them deer's going to come in. I'm going to take one out. And it's going to be awesome. And I asked my landlord, he said, yeah, it's fine. Just, just don't hunt across the field. You can hunt on this side of the field, but don't go across it. I found out why he told me that. That's where all the deer were. <laughs> they were on the other side of the field. How do you know, preacher? Because when I climbed up in that tree, I mean, I, 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 was, I was sitting in the tree with a shotgun. 
not, not even on a stand, not even on uh, one of them nice things, tree climbing. I was just sitting on a branch with some corn underneath my foot in a, in a, in a, a coffee can. No idea what I was doing. I was going to get me a deer. Climbed up and I looked down. That's when I realized all the deer were on the other side of the field. I could see them. <laughs> and they were going in the opposite direction of me. But can I say tonight, when you and I allow the Lord to meet our expectations, right, and it comes that lively tree, well, he'll give us dreams. He'll allow us to look out and say, oh, he can take care of me now. I have no doubt he'll take, take care of me 20 years from now. Let me ask you, have you been so heart sick lately because your expectations have been on people and not the Lord? Preacher, I'm discouraged because my children. I'm discouraged because of my spouse. I'm discouraged because of my friends. I'm discouraged because of my parents. I'm discouraged, I'm discouraged, I'm discouraged. Can I say tonight, you got to train your heart not to set expectations on people. You've got to put them on the Lord. He'll meet every expectation tonight. We see the bud of comfort. And finally tonight, we see the bud of commandment. Look at verse number 13. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. I've gotten to my place in life now, 33 years old. I've gotten to a place in my life now where if you tell me I have to do something, the first response that comes to my mind is, no, I don't. I don't have to do nothing. Right? I don't have to do anything. And the reality is that is the truth. We were at Sonic one night when it was after church. We were fellowshipping with some guests that had come by and we were out there on Sonic on Tobacco Road and we were out there eating our dinner and wouldn't you know it, six or seven police cars come flying down Tobacco Road, lights on, and all that good stuff. And I made the statement, I said, man, you got to love South Augusta. And the guy sitting across the table said, well, really, you don't have to. <laughs> I said, well, you know what, you're right <laughs> in that sense. And the reality is we don't have to do anything, right? We don't have to serve the Lord. We don't have to read our Bible. We don't have to pray. We don't have to be obedient to the word of God. You don't have to do those things, but realize Disobedience and obedience both come with consequences. Disobedience comes with consequences and obedience comes with consequences. And we see tonight that the bud of commandment, and we have to ask, are we going to obey the commands of the word of God tonight because of the consequences that come with it? See, what's the consequence of disobedience? Look at verse number 13. Who despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Go to verse number 14, right? To depart from the snares of death. See, tonight we're disobedience. It leads to destruction and the snares of death. Preacher, what in the world is a snare of death? Whatever it is, do you really want to be in it? <laughs> a snare of death, a trap, right? And we, we see tonight, we've got, we got to realize tonight that when we go counter God, right? God is the source of life, right? He's the giver of life. He breathed life into Adam. Right, we have life through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we go counter that, we know we're going in the wrong direction. Right, when we're disobedient to the word of God, it's foolish for us to say, you know what, I'm not going to do what God says, but still expect God to bless me like I did. Right, it doesn't work that way. You don't, you don't raise your children or didn't raise your children like that. Go ahead, disobey, daddy. It's fine, I'm still going to give you a prize. That's probably what's wrong with our generation. There weren't enough parents in the grocery store when their kids acted up, give them a whipping. I think sometimes my mom gave me a spank on behalf of other kids in the grocery store. <laughs> wow. Wow, that wasn't even me. I know. <laughs> but don't ever let it be you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, I still, my mom went to a teacher's conference. And uh, I, can't, I was in elementary school, maybe. And 
I remember I was there in the classroom and my teacher was just telling my mom how good of a student I was. And Tate's, Tate's he's, 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 he's smart and he listens, he pays attention and he, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't interrupt. He, he's just a great student. My mom, I kid you not, next, breath, next words of my mom's mouth were, I wish he'd do that at home. <laughs> mom, I'm trying. <laughs> right? But disobedience leads to destruction and snares of death. Obedience leads to rewards in the fountain of life. Number 13 and 14. But he that feareth commandment shall be rewarded. Think about that tonight. As a child of God, who ought, you know, before salvation, you ought to be in hell and your life ought to be a wreck and all that good stuff, but now God's saved you, he's changed you, and then he's given you the opportunity and the ability to obey him. And he says, when you obey me, there's a reward there. There's a prize there. Right, there's, there, there's that... That, that reward there. And then you go and it says that it's a fountain of life. Look at verse number 14. The law of the wise is a fountain of life. In essence, you disobey, it's death. But man, if you obey, you'll realize how great and wonderful it is tonight. We see the bud of commandment. Hey, you don't have to obey. You don't have to, but you can. And you should tonight because of the reward that comes with it. Are you one who gladly obeys the word of God tonight. Are you one who gladly obeys the word of God? The bud of commandment, the bud of comfort, of construction, and of contention tonight. Let me ask you tonight, are you one who's, on what side of the sentence are you on tonight? Are you on the negative or are you on the positive tonight? 